welcome to Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast channels, where we discuss innovative services and strategies delivered by our members at Supply Chain Partners. Our members at Supply Chain Partners can help you to build a high-performing business and supply chain. I'm Dr. Sharon Grant, and I have 20 years experience in the logistics and supply chain field, and I specialize in strategic supply chain performance management. Let's now introduce you to our member. With us today is Tim Gray, the Director and Supply Chain Solutions Expert from Profit Systems. Profit Systems is a supply chain technology and consulting company that offers a suite of best of breed supply chain planning solutions. These solutions help clients with foresight while synchronizing every element in their supply chain. These tools enable faster and more informed decision-making throughout the supply chain. Profit Systems is a valued member of supplychainpartners.com.au, which is a B2B marketplace where industry professionals source expert suppliers for business and supply chain solutions. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Sharon. It's great to be here. Today's episode is about supply chain planning challenges in the packaging industry. It's impressive to learn that Profit Systems has worked with an extensive number of blue chip organizations and has significant experience in the packaging industry. Tim, could you please briefly describe the packaging industry so that we have a better understanding of this industry? Thanks, Sharon. Yes, the packaging industry is an incredibly large business sector and it's involved in the design and production of a very broad range of packaging products. Packaging products can include packaging for food, beverages, medication, and, and almost any products that you buy. Packaging is required for both protecting the goods um, while during transportation and also for displaying of goods. So the range of packaging can go from functional to very luxurious and, and high-end uh, with, with high amount of quality uh, print and, and imagery and so on. Thanks, Tim. That's an extensive range of products that the packaging industry design and make. So you've seen a lot happening in this industry recently. What would be the top three biggest supply chain planning challenges that the packaging industry is experiencing? That's a great question, Sharon. There are big supply chain planning challenges that are causing significant issues for packaging companies. And I think while we talk about this, we'll see that they're not just for packaging companies. Many of these challenges are shared across, across many industries. But uh, the three that, um, that I've seen that particularly are hurting our, our packaging customers include uh, customer order fulfillment, uh, particularly, you know, the inability to fill orders and meet customer demand and service levels. There's a, there's a range of factors going on here. Not only has demand been really difficult to predict since, since uh, the beginning of COVID, um, there's, there's also a lot of disruptions throughout the supply chain. We've seen raw material shortages and delays, supply delays and delays for receiving materials on time, delayed shipment, material orders from suppliers are being held up in various parts of the supply chain. And there's also availability of, of uh, crew and capacity uh, locally that people are, are sick and therefore have to self-isolate and suddenly part of your, your workforce is not available. And finally, rising supply chain costs. Transportation is at an all-time high cost. Almost immediately the COVID started, air freight increased by five times the previous rates. Shipping took a lot longer to actually increase in price, but now it's about 10 times pre-COVID prices and it's still on the rise. Sea freight is still unreliable as vessels with committed cargo so if you pay $10,000 spot price for your, for your container, some five times the price you might have paid a year ago, 
that that will accidentally be missed if somebody else is prepared to bid twelve or fourteen thousand dollars for that spot. So even though you've got containers consignment, you think you your products on the water, you you suddenly find that it didn't actually make the docks at all. Uh, yeah, so interesting times. Gosh, you've definitely identified significant challenges. So how have these challenges impacted packaging companies? Unfortunately, we've seen packaging companies severely impacted by these. COVID's increased the demand for many packaging products, particularly if you think about every time a product a person doesn't eat at a at a restaurant, but they go to the supermarket and cook themselves. Um, some people would be cheering and saying hurrah, but those those products that are bought through a supermarket typically have higher packaging and higher quality artwork on the packaging, um, and that's created incredible um, distress through the supply lines in the packaging. Um, and uh, as I briefly mentioned earlier, the crew capacity or availability of actually getting people in your staff has been affected. And, and that's to the extent of somewhere between 10 and 30% of any workforce in the, on the companies that we're working with uh, are being absent due to self-isolation. And finally, there's lost sales. So if you don't have the material and you've had increased demand and, you, and even when we get the material, our, our labor is unreliable for no fault of their own. Um, but availability of labour is, is unreliable, you can't help but being delayed and that leads to lost sales and also leads to more opportunities for, for um, uh, businesses to, to break their contracts, long-term contracts that they've had uh, and, and, uh, and seek other suppliers. The unreliable and inconsistent customer service has been a major problem with uh, businesses that don't have really mature and robust supply chain processes haven't been able to give their customers reliable information about when they're going to get the deliveries and as we all know there's nothing more frustrating it's it's frustrating to have your product delayed it's just untenable when you can't figure out when you are going to get your products so um yeah with with that and the unpredictable material availability and volatile crew availability it's uh yeah there's been some significant challenges absolutely it's quite devastating for packaging companies and their clients so what are packaging companies doing to address these supply chain planning challenges? Are they applying temporary band-aid solutions or are they seeking long-term solutions? We're seeing both an immediate response measures and, and more strategic responses. So um, with things like unreliable sourcing and volatile capacity, they're letting customers are firstly they're prioritizing their key customers and being selective about what extra orders they should target. So in a temporary band-aid solution, that might be okay in the short term, but it can be expensive if you, uh, if you need jerk and you're satisfying uh, less than your premium customers first. Um, some of the other issues or examples are people are trying to build ahead finished goods inventory, um, you know, and they're trying to do this in the context of, oh, geez, we, uh, <laughs> we keep running short, but if you can't get material and you don't have capacity, trying to build finished goods ahead is very hard and it comes with all of the dangers of building the wrong stock. Um, and uh, building up raw material inventories, again, is a nice idea, but if you can't get the ship spots or you can't get the capacity and the material out of supply lines, then um, it, it's a nice idea, but it's a tad too late. So some of those temporary fixes haven't really uh, uh, been easy to execute. They're easy to talk about at the board level, but not so easy to, to, um, to execute. We have, however, what's been, what's been exciting is we've seen a real shift in packaging companies wanting a more permanent solution. And what, what we've seen is that they're improved, they're really needing to and wanting to improve their supply chain planning approach. The transition we've seen is that global supply chains are experiencing constraints all the way through the systems. And those systems that in the past you might have been able to plan 
when my coil would arrive from Germany because I know the lead time in the mills and I have confidence that the shipping schedules are going to run on time and every every month we'll get another ship out of Germany and we'll arrive a bit like clockwork. And those, those plans that had worked in the past for us for so long have proven to be unpredictable at, uh, and, and really highly volatile. So that's simply not been sufficient. And when you have these compounding constraints, it's no longer something that experience will get you through. So we've seen this incredible demand for the profit suite and, and uh, this increase has been driven by the need of our customers to see when a supply chain of constraints are occurring or could occur. And most importantly, if they can build a forward view of their risk points, they can navigate the issues before it impacts their customers. If you like, when you can see a problem, you can solve a problem. And that's really what we're seeing, why we're seeing such a high demand in the packaging industry is that, um, yeah, our, our clients are seeing the very real need to be able to navigate their um, the supply chain issues ahead of time uh, before it actually turns into a crisis for their customers. Thanks, Tim. We've now learned a lot more about what's happening in the packaging industry and what they're going through in terms of supply chain planning challenges and how this is impacting their companies. So let's now discuss one of your clients, a packaging company that produces decorated and undecorated cans for the food industry. Could you please let us know what supply chain planning challenges that this client experienced and how Profit Systems was able to help them to address these challenges? Yeah, thanks, Sharon. This client, their revenue is well over $100 million, closer to $200 million. Um, so a significant size, they have four sites. This client utilizes SAP, and when we started working with them, they were they also used APO and Excel. APO is, is SAP's Advanced Planning Optimization Module. The pain points that they were experiencing was they were never confident about when to start the seasonal pre-build. They weren't sure which products they should make when they started a pre-build, and they weren't sure which materials to order. Basically, they were reacting to opinions in their, in their planning team and, and relying on experience of the purchases rather than being able to plan with conviction. When we first conducted our profit system supply chain opportunity assessment, we, we had a look at where the real financial opportunities existed in their supply chain and where the risks were. And then we workshop those findings with the management team. And what we agreed with the management team was to dramatically reduce the raw material in uh, stock holding, dramatically uh, work on improving the forecast accuracy. We were able to find um, easy and obvious ways to reduce the total cost to serve to the customers. We were able to actually see that there were planning ways that we could dramatically increase the overall equipment effectiveness, reduce the work and content of planning, so how, how hard it was to cut a plan and, and recut a plan, and improve the planning decision making by, by raising the line of sight on where decisions were made. Initially, the project saw a result of a $25 million reduction in working capital. We also saw a 75% reduction in the clerical tasks of the planning team. And just a note, we'll come back to this later, I hope, but that when we, what we've found over time is that as we give planners more time, less time reacting, more time planning, they actually make much, much better decisions. We all know what it's like to be rushed and we all know what it's like to have a deadline that you've got to meet. The chance to do deep thinking, uh, critical, considered decisions when you're under pressure um, is really, really difficult. And by, by, giving, by taking the clerical tasks off the planning team and automating that for them, we saw not only the amount of time we had to do planning, but the quality of planning decisions dramatically increased. We introduced a consensus-based forecasting process. Forecast accuracy, we were able to work with the team to increase from 29%, this is at a SKU level, SKU customer level, from 29% to 79% forecast accuracy, not just across A-class items, but across every item in their portfolio. 
a best in class, we were able to introduce a best in class integrated business planning process and transition the whole business to data driven decision making. Finally, it was a robust, transparent supply chain. And I think for, for me, one of the most compelling um, examples is while the competitors were running out of materials and failing to service their customers reliably, reliably the, these profit customers were able to shore up their premium customers, utilize their impeccable service levels to target and gain new customers at premium prices. So they've been able to support new base of customers and set a new expectation around what, what good service really looks like. And they've been paid for it. That's an excellent example of a significant supply chain planning challenge and your project definitely has achieved significant benefits. So what were some of the key lessons that were learned? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. Um, and, and we've seen this time and again, particularly through COVID, um, but not only through COVID, through any natural disaster that, that we've uh, seen. Um, th there's a mantra around globalised, uh, you know, since globalisation that um, it's almost like we need low cost, low cost at, at all cost and uh, in terms of material supply. And what we keep seeing is that if you, if you uh, do that, if you just chase your one and put all of your supply lines onto that one supplier who's giving you the best price, you're really opening yourself up to enormous risk. So we've seen uh, you must have alternate geographically separate supply lines for critical resources. There's no point in having three different suppliers that, that can be good in some cases, but if you have three different suppliers in a country where there's significant geopolitical issues or you know tsunamis or, or other uh, global impact, uh, global events with local impacts, you're having different suppliers doesn't isn't mitigating the risk. So you really have to think about not only do we need alternate suppliers that are approved, pre-approved, we need to keep those suppliers fed because I've seen time and again clients say, oh yeah, we've got an alternate supplier from that, for example, resin supplier. We haven't bought from them in two years, but surely they'll service us now. Well, maybe they will if they've got capacity. I'm sure they'll be happy to take your order. But if they don't have capacity, they'll take your order and they still won't be able to supply you because you'll be at the end of their list. We have to keep nurturing or feeding the, the alternate suppliers, but, but you wanna keep them hungry. One of the best benefits that our clients have seen of having alternate suppliers is you know, allocate your, your volumes that you need to get your volume discount from your suppliers and leave some buffer so you can uh, um, reward good supply behavior by, by giving them some discretionary volume. And if you do that in good times, they'll continue to help you in, in tough times. And that's been how, how our, our, our client in many of their divisions, not just the food can division, has been able to really survive the COVID issues and, and issues like the Christchurch earthquakes and, and, and the tsunami in Japan before and, and, and current wars and so on. Um, they've been able to navigate those kind of terrains because uh, they've seen the benefit and we make it very easy for them to see and manage how much of their supply is going to reach their supplies and making sure those critical suppliers are, are, are nurtured and part of the, the supply solution. So, you know, and some of the things that, that uh, a smaller customers can get caught out on, but, uh, you know, they may not have enough volume to warrant finding three or four or five different suppliers for the same products. But there's, you know, we need to look at, at better ways, like having buying syndicates or local importers uh, or other ways of having emergency inventory, access to emergency in inventory in case there are major issues. So, you know, it becomes... Once we start seeing these, the need for alternate supplies as, as a mandatory part of risk management, um, and we make it easy to manage these and make it transparent for the management team, 
it's wonderful to see how creative management teams will get at terms of finding solutions to the need to have alternate suppliers. That's, that's an excellent uh, response. You've actually listed off quite a few significant things in that list. And I'm sure uh, a lot of uh, people who are managing procurement would definitely be listening to this and writing all of that down because you've actually pointed out so many key things that do need to be considered when you're looking at alternate suppliers. Um, so they are valuable lessons, which I'm sure has helped many of your other clients as well. So now, as you can appreciate from your experience, some organisations get overwhelmed uh, when by the sheer volume of supply chain issues that they may have, and they may not know what to do first. And on the other hand, some organisations may not realise what supply chain issues they actually have. So both of these situations are equally significant. So with that in mind, I'm really interested to know about your supply chain opportunity assessment and also your profits impact system. Thanks, Sharon. You've raised two important issues for me and that, you know, not knowing where to start and not knowing what issues you have. And that's precisely why Profit Systems, firstly, we developed the supply chain opportunity assessment so that we would work with the management team to make sure that we're working on the right problems, the highest impact problems that were most accessible first. And then we developed the profit impact system to make sure that the, any systems or tools or process changes that that the, the management team committed to and, and we committed to delivering were actually up that they were sticky and that uh, that those process changes would hold at all in all cost because um, these were failure points that I'd seen from my consulting experience in the past where where big ERP implementations or IT systems had fallen well short of the mark so we determined at profit systems to make sure that we wouldn't fall into that trap. Um, Sharon, can I get you to share the supply chain maturity matrix? It just helps explain kind of the journey that businesses get on. And I think that will give some context to the, both the supply chain assessment and the profit impact system. We developed this maturity model. I basically developed after 20 or so years of, of seeing different types of businesses and trying to find a way of explaining to non-supply chain experts uh, kind of a, a simple way of thinking about the supply chain and, and where they could get to. And the bottom level, we sometimes call chaos or disarray. And um, it's really when you have businesses, typically if they're sales focused and they'll go and they'll win a brand as a business, they'll typically go and they'll win a piece of work, um, you know, a sizable piece of work and they'll celebrate and that's all excellent. And then they'll go and jam that work into their business and they'll put a firefighter on or an expediter on to go and to manage that new work into the business. Um, and, uh, and typically those businesses are really just focused on revenue and they don't know that there's a better way of handling their supply chain. So if they've got this just focusing on the now, what the revenue is and just jam or work into the, into the funnel of their business, um, it leaves them in chaos or disarray. And it's interesting, we don't, we, we can, and we, we're happy to work with business in this place, but quite often they're not really interested. They don't know that there's a better way. So they don't look to their operations and supply chain for improving their, 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 uh, their process because they're, they're revenue focused. So many of the businesses we work to are the next level up. And that's where in this reacting phase, you've got businesses that are, they've got a, a picture of their current order book. Um, so they'll have orders, but they don't necessarily have a view outside of the, the current orders. They're, they're looking at what's now and what's next. 
they'll have a schedule, like a, a schedule to dispatch or a schedule for a machine, but they, they're absent of any view outside of their immediate orders. And the problem here is that a new order shows up or, or the material runs late and, they, and it's a panic, right? And it's all about just responding to the now. The next level up, and for a lot of businesses for a long time, this has been good enough, is this planning phase. And that is where, at this point, we have a plan. We've, we're beyond the order book. We have a forecast and we're building up a complete picture of what we think our customers want. Typically, the systems are integrated and they're starting to work with foresight, which is excellent. The reason why this has been good enough is that if you are able to serve your customers, um, then that typically separate you from the, from the pack. The issue, however, here, and the reason why there's an opportunity above this is if you're planning to serve your customers, but you can't see the cost to serve, it's like saying, I'm going to serve my customers at any cost. And certainly in the packaging industries and most of the FMCGs that we work with, the margins simply are not good enough to serve your customers at any cost. So that leads us to the, to the next level. It's no longer good enough just to be at that level. We must be cost aware. If you're planning to serve at the same time, you can see the cost to serve. It starts becoming, there's this wonderful thing happens that if I can say that if I, when I satisfy this customer and send their product out, it costs $1.50 a pallet. When I satisfy this customer um, with a slightly different distribution route, it cost me $5 a pallet. I can't help but asking myself, why is that? What's different? And as a planner, I start saying, can I actually satisfy them on the $1.50 route? It just elevates everyone in the supply chain when we show them the cost of serve or the changeover implications or, or the, the uh, inventory implications and cost of, of the current purchasing that they're making. When we show them while they're planning, it elevates everybody to a much more strategic uh, and innovative level of, of planning. It's no longer just about satisfying the customer. That's a given. Now it's about how do I satisfy the customer at the lowest cost? And that's a really exciting place to be because it's kind of future-proofed and it, and it builds this wonderful, um, innovative environment where we're constantly looking for how do we keep the service up but, but reduce the cost to serve. The first thing we normally do is supply chain maturity is we ask people uh, and anyone listening, I'd, I'd want, be wonderful for you to think yourself, you know, is your organization, are they in chaos and disarray? Are they reacting to, to what's happening or are they planning with a bit more, you know, a bit more peace in, and they can actually see things coming and navigate around it or are that, that really um, uh, actively looking for better ways of keeping that service level as high as possible and also um, and also minimizing the cost to serve. And depending on where you are in that, in that journey, most businesses will look to climb up there as their maturity increases. That journey that we go on, we call it the profit impact journey, where we help clients come up through reacting, through planning, and when they're ready to into the optimized space. So th thank you for sharing that, that graphic. And the reason why I wanted to, to talk to that is there's this whole, if you, if you accept that there's a, a journey that you go on from a supply chain maturity, it makes sense that there'll be things that we need to change or improve. And there'll be an order to those that won't be the same for everybody. But you know, what's the highest impact that we can do now that gets us up that, that curve or, or, or liberates a pile of money that we can use to, to finance the, the other parts of that journey. There's, there becomes a, a pathway that's right for your business where you are now and where you want to get to next. And that's why we developed the supply chain opportunity assessment was to, to find and quantify all of the areas of opportunity that may exist in your supply chain. And a, a, a footnote, um, 
through many, many years of, of and wonderful experiences of working with many different clients and finding, working with them and finding opportunities for improvement in their supply chains. One thing I can categorically say is that the biggest opportunities uh, on the biggest gold bars in your supply chain will always be in the area in the blind spots between focus areas so we all have our kpis and our metrics and we all have kind of spotlights that are shown in our, our performance um but there's never a complete spectrum and even if there was you couldn't focus on it all so it's the areas of focus invariably leave some dark spots and people inside the business don't have time and don't have the inclination to look where their managers aren't looking uh and it's normally in those hidden spots that we find these, these big opportunities and it's definitely opportunities exist and they've existed in businesses that I've run. Um, it is not a personal attack. It's just the reality of, you know, we, we, we manage, we, uh, we achieve what we measure and we manage what we measure. Anyway, so we do these opportunity assessments and we find these, uh, the areas for opportunity. So we identify key areas of improvement within the supply chain. We've, we identify and quantify the financial and qualitative impact to your organization. Once that diagnostic is completed, we align and then workshop the improvement opportunities for your management team. Because there's nothing worse than having a consultant saying you should be doing A, B, and C. And yes, I've been on both sides of the ledger. I've been that consultant and I've, and I've been the manager receiving that news. <laughs> um, it, it's got to be a collaboration. We have to agree there is so much knowledge, uh, local knowledge, it has to be embedded through, uh, you know, that fresh view on, on what may exist so that we can combine it into an, a, a relevant action plan and, and a considered action plan. And once we have that alignment of what we're going to achieve next, we've got to, we end up with a roadmap of improvement where each task that can be uh, that can be acted upon to deliver improvement will have expected financial rewards. Uh, it'll have the effort uh, estimated and the, and any other management team uh, issues, concerns, or, or noted risks, so that we can confidently align the improvement opportunities and all work concurrently on what we know is the best next step. Once we agree how to move, one of the things that has really upset me when I was working inside businesses and uh, and before I decided to build uh, tools to help supply chain um, was that the how poorly a lot of IT projects or projects that had potential to deliver a lot of value were delivered. And in my opinion, it was because we didn't we didn't bring the people along. If if we if you hand somebody a tool and they don't know how to use the tool, they'll keep doing what they did. You know, if someone's very good at spreadsheet and then you give them a wonderful tool that does every mold, they'll make the tool look like a spreadsheet. So just asking people what they want is not enough um, because a lot of people just revert back to what they already know. But similarly, if we just have the IT people coming in or the, the tool experts coming in and configuring the business the way that they think it should be, you may, you'll leave the people behind and you may be missing out a whole lot of nuances we didn't pick up during the, uh, the assessments, the, the opportunity assessments. So it's really important that we collaborate together with a, with a shared view on where we're heading so that we can get to those outcomes in a, in a really sustainable way. And the profit in, impact system we designed um, with, with all the knowledge and experience of our best projects and also the ones where we didn't do so well. And we've turned that into a program that we um, absolutely believe and, and work to. We developed a profit impact system to ensure that our customers achieve their desired outcomes. My clients and my customers and my staff are here, sick of hearing me say, it's not enough to change the tools that we use to make a profound impact. If we really wanna make a deep impact in the business, we must change the decisions that are being made. There are three truths that we realized a long time ago and we've embedded in the way that we uh, both build our software 
and implement our software and, and conduct our change management programs. The three truths are when we automate clerical tasks, your staff have more time to make better choices. When we help your staff lift their line of sight by showing them the consequences of their choices, your staff will make better choices. And when we immerse ourselves with your staff, your staff trust and understand our solutions and they will let go of their spreadsheets and their other practices. When we combine the approach to get faster, more informed decision-making across your supply chain. We've embedded our profit impact system, which includes those fundamental kind of pillars or truths uh, into the graphic that you're showing now. And while I won't go through each of the accelerators around the outside, um, they, they fall or, or the, the foundation is upon that liberate planning. Um, again, taking the planners from drowning in clerical data to, to, uh, to swimming in success, uh, really providing foresight. So the tools have to continually provide a forward look into what's happening um, and, and give you real certainty about the choices that you're making because you can see the consequences. And the immersion piece is all about that building trust and, and giving people the confidence and, and the support to let go of the previous habits and previous tools um, while, while, they, uh, while they learn to use the new tools in a, in a better and more efficient manner. And when we bring all those together, we get a very, very sticky solution that continues to drive dramatic improvement in the business. So we call it the profit impact system. Thank you very much, Tim. They're excellent tools you have developed to help your clients to identify supply chain issues and also how to prioritize how they should be addressed. So what happens next? Does the client review your recommended prioritized approach about what they should do first? Yeah, very much. They review the results of the audit and given that we've, we will have, we workshop those results with them to develop a, uh, a recommended and, and widely agreed um, priority path. Um, so, you know, we're developing that, uh, which, which tools or which processes or which actions are going to deliver the most benefit. Um, and it's in line with their internal, uh, risk requirements and the resource requirements and so on. So that, that is already pre-developed as the final part of the, the, uh, uh, the diagnostic. So once we work with a client, um, they're going to have that complete list and uh, we typically with them will resolve that into an action plan. And of course, they're free to evolve that or, 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 um, or reassign that uh, as priorities change. But yeah, that's very much the end of the diagnostic phase. We leave with that priority list of actions that we all have agreed that this is the sensible way of implementing these to get the maximum benefit for the, the minimum risk and, and minimum return, uh, sorry, minimum investment. Great. Well, that's an excellent approach and it's very transparent and well-organized. So if a client wanted to undertake a supply chain opportunity assessment or use the profit impact system, what steps should they take to commence these services? Yeah, certainly. Look, they could visit our website at profitsystems.com. Um, you can email us at info at profitsystems.com or you can call us directly on 02 9060 but you know, also if there's lots of information and, and there's even uh, uh, DIY supply chain opportunity assessments that you can do yourself. Um, so you know, you can actually drill down further in the resource material we provide on our website um, and, and or we're happy to concierge you through the self-assessment and help you with that process um, you know, before perhaps, uh, so you can at least bound whether there's enough opportunity to warrant uh, going to the step of, of uh, engaging us to conduct a, a complete supply chain assessment. Um, but I've why we look forward to hearing from you. Excellent. 
That's great. Well, thank you very much, Tim, for joining us today from Profit Systems. It's been a very informative and educational discussion. Thank you, Sharon. Supply chain planning is a significant passion of mine. Um, you've heard me rant already. It's probably become evident. Um, and, you know, I've been fortunate enough uh, to have been to, to work with companies over the last 20 years. And, you know, and that's been the basis for, for the development of our su supply chain uh, planning suite. Um, I, I wouldn't mind just mentioning, we've got quite an enviable reputation. And I, I went in the software industry um, and knowing that I really wasn't happy with the the software industry is notorious about not being accountable for results. I came from an improvement background and that's still absolutely pivotal to me and my team. So, you know, in in, uh, in terms of engaging with us and when we implement our solutions, we, we are there to facilitate our clients' supply chain success. Since 2005, our clients have averaged 452% return on their profit systems investment. In fact, we guarantee that any project we propose will achieve a return on investment of over 100% in the first 12 months of implementation. It's that important to us that we work with our clients in a way that is going to deliver immediate value to them. And because uh, I know what it's like to be on the on the side of the boardroom asking for handouts from the from the board, uh, asking for investment, and you know, no one wants to be in a situation where they're they're putting up a project that's not going to deliver financial return. It's, it's paramount to us that we work with you to make sure that there are massive returns on the table um, if you work with us. That's excellent. That's a great achievement, Tim, which I'm very sure that your clients definitely appreciate. Well, that concludes today's episode on supply chain planning challenges in the packaging industry with Profit Systems. You'll find all of their contact details listed below. So join us again at Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast channels, where we meet with experts across Australia to discuss key business and supply chain topics, issues and trends, including logistics, supply chain management, technology and much more. Be sure to click the subscribe button to this Supply Chain Partners channel. We look forward to you joining us again in a future episode.